0: To what he wants you to be let him have his way this morning amen
1: Made. And lies made whole, hearts awake at the sound of Jesus' name. And change will. Be-
0: At the sound, Jesus' name. Jesus' name. I
1: don't know about you, but once I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Once I was down in the pit of my own sin, bound and anxiety and fear and depression. But the man of light reached in where I thought I was gone and done. He reached in to pull. Spirit of the Lord is there is freedom, there is freedom. We invite you in where the Spirit of the Lord is there, is freedom, there is freedom.
0: Come out of the dark, just as you are, into the fullness of his love, for the Spirit That we're free this morning we are free if you if the son has set you free you're free indeed don't let the enemy lie to you and tell you that you're still bound yeah you might have, you might have slipped up and you might have messed up again and again but my father in heaven is a merciful God and if you get on your face before him and repent he picks you up he doesn't put you back at the beginning He just picks you up and sets you back on the right path you are free he said the son has set you free you are free indeed, amen. You unravel me with a melody, you surround me with a soul. deliverance from my enemies, oh, till Speak to your soul. I am no longer a slave to sin. I am a child of God. Oh, I am a child of God. Yes, I am Lord. Lord. Who I am? A child. Slow. Prepare faithful this morning. Faithfulness faithfulness He's never gonna let you go. Your faithfulness faithfulness faithful. He's the same God yesterday and today. Your faith. I'm gonna live. This morning.
2: the scripture says this it says god says to his people he says a thankful heart it's a sacrifice that i will not reject that's such a powerful scripture and so why did i quote that scripture because i believe this i believe that A believing Christian who claims. Must have been about my age, maybe a little older. Uh, They passed out communion, though. We're standing there, Pastor Bob. I'm about three seats away from her, and I knew this girl's personal life. She wasn't walking with Jesus. She was, but she had the she had the elements. And I'm I'm standing there, and I'm watching her. And she takes her communion cup, and she wasn't. She was a little girl, like she wasn't very big. And she crushes this thing in her hand, and all the juice and it flies all over the floor. And so everybody gets distracted. Like she crushes this thing. tend to say uh, she was demon possessed or anything like that, but I believe that change happens in somebody's life the moment we start to realize the goodness of God. The goodness of God, the scripture says, leads us into repentance, and so of course the enemy wants to distract the church from from, uh, meditating on his goodness and his sacrifice, and so you know, whatever the reason was, this young lady did it, it was a big distraction, and so elements in an unworthy manner. So uh, while the guys are, has everybody been served? If you haven't, can you put your hand up? We want to make sure we don't miss anybody. We're going to spend a moment uh, just reflecting on our heart, not long, about 30 seconds, uh, because we don't want to take this carelessly. We don't want to take it out of just habit. And it's not saying habits are all wrong, but we just don't want to do it because we're going through the motions. Let's take about 30 seconds just to search our heart. And if God shows you anything, uh, just, you know, between you and him, you will know, do business and. Same, and we're just going to really uh, meditate. supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood this take a second to tell somebody hello and good morning Uh, you feel free to do that and I'm gonna call pastor up we're gonna get into this word
3: good morning
4: I have two quick announcements Tracy, that we would make this announcement. Elizabeth, can you find that slide about a meeting right after service? Anybody interested in their child being a part of fine arts? Um, there's a meeting directly right after the service, um, and upstairs in the children's ministry area. And uh, I'm sorry you have to climb the stairs. I didn't build this building, and um, fortunately, it was before we had so if you bring this down, I uh, had to bring um, put elevators in. Uh, I wish we had an elevator sometimes. and uh, when I hear a toilet running upstairs and I have to climb the stairs to go get it and And I'm like, but anyway, there'll be a meeting today right after the service upstairs. There are eight divisions There are 80 categories. This is a phenomenal discipleship program for children. If you want parents, if you want some information, that will be taking place directly after service. And if you can find the slide for uh, Bob, Bob and Lisa Holloway, our missionaries, they're our focus missionaries this month, but they will be here next Sunday, and they are looking forward to being here. I, have, I was with Bob Holloway when God called him to the mission field, and that's a story in and of itself. And I have never had him been able to come and minister uh, and where I've pastored since that time in 1992. And so I spoke with them this past week, and they are looking forward to being here. Please make every every possible attempt to be here. You don't want to make, you know, a lot of times people go, oh, boy, boring missionary, I don't want to go. No, you want to be here. First of all, because God says we're to come together. Second of all, because God says there are different parts of the body, they edify the body, they build us up, and so we want you to be a part of that. I appreciate that. Amen. Um, I, I'm going to read this verse and then uh, take about three minutes and talk to you about um, tithing and offerings and things like that. I have started doing that this year uh, at the beginning of every message, and I want to read from Psalms 24 and 1. It says, "In the earth... Is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. I want to tell you that the principle of tithing, uh, that's dealing with your finances, uh, began in the garden of, uh, when God made Adam and Eve stewards or managers over the garden. And He gave them, I want you to think about this. He gave them access to everything in the garden. In fact, he gave them dominion over everything. He said, you have the right to rule this, govern this, everything. He said, but there's one tree you can't touch. Now, you're you're in control of everything. You rule over everything, but there's one tree you can't touch. And we must realize that even though Adam and Eve had dominion over that tree because it was a part of the garden, they could not partake of the fruit of it Because it was God's, and they disobeyed God when they partake of the fruit that God had reserved for himself, and God drove them from the garden, and I want to just tell you that God has never relinquished his claim, as we just read in Psalms 24 and 1, the earth is the Lord's, everything in it, the world, and all who live in it. How many of you are alive this morning? (laughs) In other words, the Lord is supreme over that. And I want you to think about it. God took one day out of seven and declared that it was holy unto him. And then he said that one-tenth of our finances that he gives to us, he provides for us that we are, again, stewards or managers of, that is for the furtherance of his kingdom. That, too, is holy unto him. And so by keeping one day a week holy— and, and, and by sanctifying it uh, in doing so, God sanctifies the rest of the week in everything that we do. When we put God first in finances, because the tithe is the Lord's, the Bible says, when we give what is the Lord's that He commands, then He blesses the rest of it. And so here at Life Church, we don't pass a basket or, or anything like that, we have four different ways that you can give. You, um, you can actually, there are two boxes on the back wall as you exit, and there you can drop an envelope or check or whatever that way. We have an app that you can download for, uh, if you have a smartphone, you can do it that way. There's a text to give, and, and our website, lifechurchla.com, you can also give that way. So there's, there's no reason not to be able to, bl- to follow the word of the Lord and to see the blessing of God. In your life i'm just telling you you cannot out give god and especially when it's god's to start with i want to be obedient to what god's word says amen amen well i'm i, I wore the shirt today because it it feels like summer this morning right you know and last week it was freezing and and i think next weekend it's going to be cold again so I said, well, I'm going to wear this, it was, but I, uh, I, I kind of casual down a little bit. I'm a little more comfortable like this. And uh, but the other day, uh, about um, a month or so ago, I had this shirt on, black pants and black shoes. And I asked my wife, I said, what do you want for lunch? And I went to pick it up. And while I was sitting there, I went to stand in line to order, and three or four people looked at me, and they said, excuse me, go ahead, Father, go ahead. <laughs> and and, and uh, they, they really said... And I was like, I, I'm, 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 not, I'm not a priest. I guess they saw the little white thing here, you know. It wasn't around my neck, but they, they saw me all in black, you know. And I said, no, 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 that's fine. No, go ahead, Father, go ahead. So I, I went ahead and placed my order. And then I turned around and I said, honestly, I'm not, I'm not a priest. I'm not a father. I said, I'm a priest unto the Lord. I am a pastor. And, and, and a man sitting down goes, I knew there was something about that guy. And so, <laughs> you know, I don't know. And in Thibodeau, uh, when I was on staff there, the, I was known as the the little priest that's not Catholic. That's what they called me at the hospital. And so they, they, somebody was sick. They said, go get that little priest that ain't Catholic. And, um, and there's a story behind that. But anyway, a miracle story. But anyway, we started a series four weeks ago. And uh, we're going to read this together. And I'm going to ask you, we read it together last week. I'm going to ask that you read it together with me again this week. Romans chapter 12, beginning with verse 1 and 2. Read this together out loud. It says, I urge you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable act of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So we've been doing a series called Spiritual Transformation. This is like the fourth week. And those of you that were here, if you weren't here for some of them, you can go online to our website, and we have all the videos there, and you can watch them there. Um we, we started it off with a 30-second time-lapse photography of a caterpillar becoming a butterfly. And the scientific term for, for that is metamorphosis. Uh, it, it goes from being this ugly green caterpillar into a beautiful butterfly over a period of time. And, and uh, the process of transformation uh, is metamorphosis is defined as going from an immature form to an adult form in two or more distinct stages. And, and that's a great um, example by our, our living God of what he is trying to do in a cr- person who professes Christ in their life. And I really think that the struggle that so many Christians have especially young believers, is because they don't understand this process. Nobody told me about it. I learned from the hard school of Knox, okay? For over 50 years, I've been walking with the Lord. Since I was a young teenager, I came to Christ in a very miraculous way. But nobody explained to me that there was this process. I, I... We live in an instant society today, a culture. We want it yesterday, and that was too slow. And we think somehow that when when we become a Christian, that somehow God, you know, I always told the Lord, I said, if you would just put a force field around, you know, when we become a Christian and we could just walk through life, the stuff would bounce off of us, never hurt us, never affect us or whatever, that would be great. But that's not it. And so. What God is trying to do, he's trying to show us that he wants to bring his change. Say his change. Not what you want. It's what you want. You just don't know you want it. And he wants to bring about his change in our lives. And what does that do? Uh, He wants to make us a, an amazing beautiful person you and some of you are going i'm already amazing pastor you just don't know it <clears throat> well i don't know how to tell you this you're not perfect and 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 you don't have it all together none of us do say amen to that come on none of us do but what god wants to do is change our lives to where our lives are more characterized by kindness and generosity Holiness that we become that kind of person who thinks and speaks and acts progressively more like Jesus. And I gave an illustration. I think it was the very first week that you would not expect a, 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 a toddler who's just learning to walk. You remember that? And 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 you you're, you're encouraging them, Come on, come on, come on. And they take two steps and fall. And you don't stand over them and go. That's the best you can do. Come on, get up. You know, we don't do that. No, we get back down and come on, come on, come on, come on. We are encouraging them. Well, that's we don't change overnight in our life. We are changed overnight instantly when Christ comes into our lives in our relationship with God. The Bible says we're taken out of the kingdom of darkness and put into the kingdom of his eternal son, Jesus Christ. We are now right with God in that regard. But when I look in the mirror the day after, I still look the same. I still have a lot of the same tendencies. And now God wants to take me through a metamorphosis, a spiritual transformation. And it's not a spiritual thing that happens on the inside and doesn't affect the outside. Because we learn that even in the caterpillar, when it goes into a cocoon, its body li- literally almost becomes liquid as, is, as it is transformed into this beautiful butterfly. So it's not like, well, God's doing it on the inside. No, if he's doing it on the inside, it's going to show up at some point in some way on the outside. It just doesn't happen overnight. I wish it did, but it doesn't happen overnight. And so Romans 12 and 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind and the word transformed is literally the word metamorphosis so it's not an external transformation but it's one from the inside out and 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 look there's a terminology in and christianity that you'll hear from time to time and we'll say they're legalistic you know, and there's groups of people that you have to dress a certain way, look a certain way. You can't do this, can't do this, can't do this, can't do this. And and like everybody's supposed to come off an assembly line, doing, saying, looking exactly the same. Everything. If you can change the outside, but the inside's not been changed, God works from the inside out. And the idea that well, you don't know what God's doing inside of me. You don't. Know, you know hey, there should be some fruit that shows some kind of change of transformations taking place. In Ephesians 4 and 1, Paul said, As a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. And we talked about that and said that And basically what he's saying is, let your behavior and your beliefs say the same thing. And, and believe me, I I have I've heard stories before of people that I run into and I'll mention somebody's name or they'll mention somebody's name and I go, oh, you know them. And 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 I'll say, Yeah, they go to my church. And and they go, they go to church. And I'm like, ooh, okay. Change the subject. Let's move on from there, you know. And uh, um that that that's not a good thing. In other words, your words and your life don't match up. And Ephesians 4 and 3, it says, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through through the bond of peace. And what we said was that word there literally means I want you to bring intensity of focus that you do whatever it takes to do, but you make every effort in doing it. Why? Because the church of Jesus Christ has to reflect the character of Jesus Christ on now that's what it's about because the world is going to judge whether jesus came from god not by what the bible says they're going to judge by how we live and how we speak and how we treat one another which brings us to the next part the next part of this this series here i've just kind of given you a cliff note version of of the first three weeks but there's three reasons why there may be more but I've come up with three reasons why we failed to experience spiritual transformation and the first one is just spiritual ignorance and I can raise my hand on this because nobody explained that to me as a young believer I was told Come to Jesus. It was during the hippie movement. Come to Jesus. You know, he's the greatest high man. You know, everybody else was tripping out on LSD and everything else, and, and it was the peace movement and flowers and love and all that kind of stuff. And 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 they were saying, but Jesus, he's the greatest high. I was like, whoa, that's cool, you know. And and um, but I had no process. I had no concept that I I, I, I was basically told. I what I what I didn't know God, now I know God. That's it. And I had no clue that there was a process, and so I kept failing in the process because I failed to understand that that I had to learn. That's what the scripture said. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, I had to learn. What was that I had to learn? I had to learn my true identity in Christ. I had to learn who Christ was in me and because of who is in me, who I am in him. Nobody explained that to me. Nobody even talked about that. And so the result ends up being when when I fail to recognize that Jesus Christ gave his life to re- me and that the Holy Spirit has come to live inside of me and that he's come to come to teach me and guide me and direct me in all truths concerning Christ. In other words, words, I'm now enrolled in, in Holy Spirit school and now I've got to go through all the grades and take all the tests and everything else. What I'm saying is, I didn't understand that, and so because I didn't understand that, it destined me to the try hard, do good, fail, try hard, do good, fail, try hard, do good, quit. And I see that in so many young believers. And when I say young, I'm not talking about age. I'm talking about you can, I've seen people who are, who say they've been they've known the Lord twenty years and they're still babies? And if you don't believe me, Paul even talks about it. He said, "I would have come to you and talked to you and and given you meat out of the word, but you're still sucking milk. You're still drinking milk. You can't even handle what I came to tell you." And and uh, so you you try hard, do good, fail. I'm gonna do we try harder we do harder we do more and then we fail we try hard and we do i don't know about you i hate roller coasters and i don't want to live on one but this up down fail up down fail up down fail is not what jesus came to do in our life we try to be Good morally, we try hard to do good, we try harder to do good good than we fail. And pretty soon, you try hard and sort of good, and then you fail. And finally, you go, you know, I'm just not going to be a hypocrite, so I'm just going to fake it. (laughs) That's a hypocrite? (laughs) You're faking it. How you doing? Praise the Lord, I'm doing great. Walk out the door, you just go back to your old way of life. There's no transformation that's going on. And then so to justify it, we look at other Christians and we go, hmm, well, I ain't that bad. So I'm better than that. So I, and then we started making excuses and then we lose our focus of what we're supposed to do. Because Paul said, with everything in you, <laughs> live in a way worthy of your calling focus of that, and then we started making excuses, and we, I'm not, I'm just pulling a few things off the top of my head, you know, and we just say, well, you know, it's only my fourth glass of wine, it's not a lot, you know, I don't get drunk, you know, whatever, I got it under control, or we say things like, you know, we're struggling to pay our bills, and, and, uh, but, you know, my, my, my stress. When I get stressed, I go shopping. It makes me feel better. You can't pay your bills, and you're not honoring God with the tithe, and you know. And then, or maybe you know, you go, "Oh, uh, well, the kids, you know, they got so much going on. You know, they got five sports. You know, and so we're gonna cut back to four this year, and and try and do a little bit better. And 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 uh, or or and me growing up you aren't allowed to come home with anything less than an A. And I remember the first time in seventh grade, I came home with less than an A. And I caught, let's just say I caught it until that A disappeared off my report card. And we say, well, the kids usually, i you know, 4.0, they got 3.5, that's not bad, but they can do better. And, and and my only, you know, then I love this, you know, people go to church and they say, well, you know, I showed up 20 minutes late, you know, the traffic was bad and I had to stop and get my coffee and they were slow in the drive through and all that kind of stuff. And well, I left early because, you know, the parking at that church is really bad, you know, and, and, um, you know, but I did my spiritual act. I went to church, you know, listen, those attitudes, those kinds of attitudes tell me you don't have a clue about spiritual transformation because what
3: you have figured out to do is sin management. Moralism and Christianity
4: is the mindset of a Christian consumer we take the moralism of the world and what the word of God says, and we try and blend it together, and you come up with a consumerist mindset of a Christian. Listen to me. God is not angry with
3: you, but his heart is breaking because you playing
4: church games, but never becoming loving and kind, never dealing with some of those internal issues of pride and arrogance and greed and materialism and selfishness. And there's not a person in this room or watching online that doesn't have to address these things from time to time. And I will raise my hand first
3: we all and the only
4: thing that can break that is the spirit of God so the answer to the problem of non-transformation is is if the problem is a lack of information or a, there's ignorance concerning it the solution is to discover who god wants you to be not 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 wants you like you better toe the line but what god has for you what god means the potential that he knows only he can know for your life the second reason people fail in in spiritual transformation is spiritual isolation One reason that people don't live like Christians is they think that they can grow and be transformed by themselves. When you do that, you're
3: actually locking yourself in a prison. You're not free. You're actually bound. And
4: and there are all kinds of prisons that we make for our lives. Prisons of the expectations of other people. Prisons with codependency. Prisons of addictions. Prisons of success. Prisons of money. And our failure to actively participate in deep, Christ-centered, honest relationships makes transformation impossible. If you remember, we talked about the fact that the cocoon in that caterpillar. The cocoon is where the transformation takes place. And that community within the church, other believers, fellowship with one another is the cocoon. Butterflies are transformed in cocoons. Christians are transformed in community. And so your idea of me and Jesus, we got our own thing going. No, you don't because it's contrary to what Jesus said. The Bible tells us we are one body. Jesus prayed, Lord, Father, make them one, even as you and I are one. How can you be one with others when you're in isolation? It's impossible. And that means transformation cannot happen. And so when I, when I say this, please hear my heart. I'm not saying that we are, all have it all together. But here's the problem. Spiritual isolation often is the result of pride. And it's not boastful pride as much as it is, I don't want to admit that I have a need. I I don't want to admit I'm I'm not pleased with my life. I'm not pleased where I am. And if I'm around other people, I, I, I just, I just, that's pride. It's not boasting pride where you're going, I'm the world, I've got it made, everybody look at me, that kind of thing. But you're, you're just saying, you're, 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 the pride of our agendas, the pride of our stuff, the pride of the things that are important to us, the pride of our goals. Some of you have learned your need for others by joining a small group, uh, a, a, a few other people. Maybe it's just getting together with a few people and having coffee or a, a meal or prayer or Bible study. It, but it's, it's being with a few other people. It, it,
3: me, myself, and I don't work. That's not a small group. So I'm not alone. I have the Father, Son, and
4: Holy Ghost. Boy, now you're in the really pride.
3: Because what you're saying is, I don't need what God's word says. Listen, we, we have some groups that are meeting, and I would love to see
4: more groups. But somebody says, nobody's ever invited Start one, no it just just call somebody up and say, "Hey, you want to get together for coffee or whatever your thing is, you know, maybe it's not coffee, maybe it's smoothies or you know whatever i, I don't care what it is, pancakes, whatever, <laughs> you know, I get a witness to my flesh on that, yeah, but it's finding others of like faith. I've seen groups that meet, I remember a group of ladies that met one time in church where I pastored, because they all
3: loved to do cross stitch, and they found out there was like 10 of them, so they started
4: bringing their stuff together on like a Tuesday morning, and And they just started bringing their projects that they were working on and cross stitching. And while they're there, they're talking about life. They're talking about their families. They're talking about the Lord. They're talking about all these. You know what they're doing? They're
3: building a community. Relationships are necessary
4: for good times. In tough times.
3: Especially tough times. Have you ever tried to celebrate by yourself?
4: Something great happened. Woohoo! I'm so happy. Duh. No, what do you do? You get on the phone, you're calling someone. Yeah, God, I gotta tell you what happened today, man. I'm so be better instead of going oh yeah a great thing happened to me today you know that's all right but that's not community in fact with the technology we have today people are more isolated than they've ever been just go into any restaurant and watch and they're texting back and forth to each other across the table I, I put my phone on silent and up so I can see if an important call comes And I put it off to the side, and I start talking to my wife or whomever I'm with. Because I don't want that thing to become the master of my life. We've all seen the clips of people falling in swimming pools, walking into poles. I mean, getting hit by cars because they got their head down doing this. That's not community. You need actual people there relationships are necessary, not only that, for celebrating the good and the bad and the ugly and everything else, but you need people to build relationships with that when they see something awry in your life, they can speak into your life. And and a true friend will do that. And they won't do it in a dictatorial manner. They'll just come out of concern and compassion and love. Says this is the way transformation takes place for us to become beautiful and loving and humble and gentle and patient and to learn to bear up one another and make every effort that cannot happen. Oh, I know this could be taken wrong. It can't be happened. It cannot happen like right now. Sitting in a room. Listening to one person talk and singing a few songs.
3: Now, corporate gatherings are necessary, they are biblical.
4: The Bible says, for, for don't don't quit meeting together as you've already done. He said, Don't neglect the coming together. And as good as this is. When service starts, half the people are out in the lobby. And I'm telling you, that's frustrating to a worship leader to see there's 10 people out here and 40 people out there. And my, my suggestion is come earlier. Get a cup of coffee. Bring a cup of coffee. Bring a smoothie. Bring some pancakes. I don't care what you do. Walk in the door with two dozen donuts. You are going to be a hit, man, I'm telling you. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Look at this. Glory. You're going to have fellowship. I'm telling you, man. And before you leave, somebody's going, who's got the donuts next week, you know, or whatever, you know. But the smaller gatherings are also necessary. Necessary because it's there that you get to know people you get to know more about them you learn the little things that you d-
3: you never knew before and and I'm telling you the place that it has to start is your family family you mean family when you tell me you don't have time to spend
4: When you tell me you don't have enough time in your schedule for, for a small group meeting or a men's group or women's group or a, a once-a-month thing, when, when you, I'm going to tell you it. I could go down and make a list of my long. I'm not going to do that, but I'll tell you everything that I would tell anybody else, and that, that is this, that you don't have a time problem. You have a priority problem because every one of us have the same amount of time in our lives. It's true some of us have things that are pulling at us really hard and, and and maybe we put ourselves there and maybe we need to do something about that. And And I'm going to tell you whether you want to hear it or not, but this is just true for all of us. Your life and your schedule show exactly what's most important to
3: you. And when you say, I don't have time, What you're really saying is, I am unwilling
4: to make the hard choices, to make hard decisions. The pressure you feel to make change is there, and you just say, I don't have time for that. To say that the most important thing in your life is to enjoy God's love and and God's love for other people and the love of other people, to say I can't do without being associated with others, the, the saying that I can't do it without fellow believers, I can't do it without my family. Listen, if, if, I, if I don't become a more loving person, spiritual isolation and pride is the problem because we don't want to be corrected don't want to be held accountable. So you say, what's the solution? Make time. Change your priorities. Find a group. I don't care if it's sponsored by this church or where. I'm not in competition with any church. Find some believers. Find two or three. The Bible says where two or three are gathered, there he is. Jesus said and still says in Matthew 11, 29, 30, take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you shall find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus calls every one of us to learn his ways and I've mentioned it before. The word yoke there is often mischaracterized as a yoke like on oxen or whatever When a rabbi would teach that and he would say, take my yoke upon you, he was saying to those around him, take and learn of my teachings. Take and learn of me, what what my teachings are. And what did the people say about Jesus and his ministry? They said, we have never heard teaching like this before. We've never heard anything. That's why he said, my yoke is easy. My teaching is easy. My, My life, what I'm telling you is be in me, let me be in you. And it is easier than trying to do it on your own. Jesus offers us unlimited power with the things that we struggle with. And the final reason that we don't see spiritual transformation is spiritual myopia. And you say, what is spiritual myopia? It's, it's simply nearsighted or short-sightedness. I mean, in our physical eyes... I had to look it up to be sure that I get it right. I know somebody else out there is thinking, I make sure he's right. You know when, when, when you're facing this, what happens is the light from distant objects focuses in front of instead of on the retina. And so what happens is distant objects appear blurred, while close objects appear
3: clear. See, I have just the opposite. These reading glasses are for up close. I can read a billboard a half a mile away.
4: I can't read my notes, and they're this big
3: <laughs> without them glasses. Not clearly. And, and and what I mean by this is
4: spiritual short-sightedness is is the failure to grasp what's really at stake in the long term that causes Christians to not live like Christians. In other words, they can see clearly up close, but they can't see far off. And they, they look at the present situation and go, this is no big deal. But what they can't see is far off is the ripple effect of them living this way, doing these things right here now, and what is going to happen out there. Does that make sense? And 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 and, and it is it it minimizes and destroys our testimony. We're seeing all over the news in just the last few, for a good while now, but especially in the last couple of months, major ministries that are being totally devastated and brought down because of someone's actions or words or whatever. at at a period in time, way out there, seemed like there was no effect, and now it's come back to haunt them, and it's crashing everything around them. And you know what the really sad thing is? I've read article after article. All the Christians who are now just throwing up their hands and going, that's it, I'm done with it. Listen, if your Christianity and your faith is founded upon a man or a woman in ministry, you're going down because whatever God's getting ready to shake everything that can be shaken. And the only thing that can't be shaken is the person who's built their life on this word. I'm just telling you it's true. And, and the problem with this living for the moment. The problem is the culture of consumerism that I spoke about near the beginning. It's in the air. It's in the water. It's everywhere. You know, I heard, I've heard people talking about this before. I was, I was driving down Ambassador Caffrey the other day, and my phone goes off. And there's a pop-up message from a store in the shopping center, and I don't even have their app. And I'm like, that's freaky. How did they know I'm going down past their store telling me 50% off, buy one, get one? I'm like, dude, until it's free, I ain't stopping. You know? I used to have a deacon's wife years ago. She, he, he, he was an executive uh, vice president for, for um, Entergy. And every day she'd come home with new stuff and she'd say, honey, I saved you a ton of money today. I got all this stuff 80% off or 70% off. He said, do I get to retire earlier now? She said, no, I was able to use the savings to buy more stuff. That math doesn't add up. That's not even new math, old math. I'm just telling you, it won't work. But we're living in in a consumerist world. There's commercial, commercial, commercial. I saw on, on TV the other day. I was looking for the news for a moment, and 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 I, there's this program, the best Super Bowl ads of all time. And I'm like, there's 50-something years of ads. I ain't watching that, you know. I mean, man. But it, we have commercial, commercial, commercial. We have text, text, text. We have technology we have feed after feed after feed we have we're getting constantly bombarded with all this kind of stuff and 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 until if you have and what happens that creeps into the church it creeps into into our lives okay and whether we realize it or not that's why the bible says do not be conformed to the ways of this world but be transformed By the renewing of your mind but if we don't transform into thinking what god wants for us how god wants us to live the things that are important for god in our lives then we adopt the things of the world and we try and pigeonhole it into something here and then we try and live a lifestyle that is impossible because light has nothing to do with darkness it just doesn't work and so you know i mean on somebody's toes. (laughs) You know, know? what happens is if we have that mindset, then all of a sudden we're like, when we leave church, when we leave today, and you're headed out the door, you know, you get in your car, whatever, hopefully it starts, you know. (laughs) You know, and you'll say, well, today was pretty good. I think it was pretty good. Service was a little long. Pastor could have shortened it up. waiting to see the Gatorade bucket today because there were so many people saying that treat your pastor like the coach on the Super Bowl. Dump them over the Gatorade. When you see a pastor come out with Gatorade, you know it's going to be a long service. (laughs) So I'm about to quit. You know, but we'll say, oh, service was a little long. Some will say, oh, it's a little hot in there. And others will go, oh, it's too cold in there. Some will say the music was a little loud. others will go, oh. I think it was just right. and Others will go. I wish it was louder, man. They're always turning it down. Somebody say. I think they sang too many songs, and others will say they should have done more. a Tiger shouldn't have cut them off. Pastor should you should, shouldn't have cut them off, you know. Somebody will go. I didn't even like the songs that they sang. I want to sing the old songs, and and uh, they'll say the children's ministry. Oh, it was awesome stairs, man, you got to climb the stairs, you know. Nursery was okay, except they, you know, I've told them all the time, when you bring my child's bag to me, put the bottle on the left side of the bag. They always put it on the right side of the bag. They never get it right. And, you know, when the num- numbers come up there, you know, if, if there's a need for your child, the numbers go up there. Some of you didn't even know that was up there. Now you'll just be staring up there all the time, you know. And uh, if the only number you need to know, folks, is if you see 999, it means hit the floor. <laughs> There's an emergency, you know. But, I mean, you know, people are, those numbers, they're in red. That's offensive. That that's, that's bothers me. They're, why are they in red? It's like a warning thing going off. My heart jumps when I see red numbers like that. Get a life! Come on now, are you kidding me? You know it's it, it's 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 crept into our church. You know, I was talking, I was listening to a guy talk the other day. Uh, every Thursday, when I can, I I'm a part of a Zoom call with pastors and ministers and leaders all over the country, and and uh, there was a young pastor was talking about his church and what God's been doing, and and. And I told him, I said, you don't know the beauty of being a big fish in a small pond. Because he's in a little dinky town in New Mexico. And in fact, they even said that even the fact that a church could even flourish in this town in New Mexico is a miracle. I said,
3: he's the biggest thing in town. Serious. I mean, there's like 1,500 people hundred go to his church I said dude you're a big fish in a small pond I said in
4: Lafayette I'm a little fish in a big pond I said in the minute somebody doesn't like something they just get up and leave and go down to another one down the road and when they don't like that one they'll go find another one that's right down the road and they, they'll go from place to place to place to place to place to place to because place place, it's all about them it's all about them and listen please don't get this wrong I'm not I'm not mad I'm not angry I just, I'm like, I love you. You're welcome anytime. Come back, you know. But most of the time they leave, don't tell me they're gone, (laughs) you know. But you know what I see? I see a consumerist mindset that says, it's all about me. Am I being fulfilled? Is Jesus helping my life? Is my life working out? Is my marriage happier? Are my kids turning out right? It's me, 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 me. Compare that with the followers of Jesus in the first century who are willing to lay down their lives for one another. And the difference was that those
3: in the first century had a servant mindset. It wasn't about them. It was about following the master who came
4: as a servant. Jesus saw a problem, the answer was, okay, which one of you boys messed up? (laughs) He didn't look look to throw one of the disciples under the bus, you know, so to speak, if they had a bus, (laughs) you know. The idea was, how can I help? Where's the need,
3: you know? What if we just had the attitude? I could do.
4: We look at ourselves a lot of times and we just say, I'm a nobody. I can't do anything.
3: You can do something. Anything. Come a little earlier. Be at the door and smile when people are walking through. Volunteered.
4: Is there any place I can help? I can't teach. Good doer, I could do something once in a while. What if I was gentle and didn't demand my rights? What what if I was patient? What if I actually came and learned something in church? Or what if I came and made a friendship, a relationship, a friend, and got to know them each week? Listen, I'm about to close.
3: When we fail
4: to be servants, we become consumers and jesus said if you want to be great in the kingdom of god you must learn to serve one another and the solution to this is to have a high view of god And what do i mean by that i know of nothing that has helped me more in my later years in my christian walk than that's helped me transform my life more and more than seeing God more accurately. So many people in modern American Christianity think God is sitting on a throne to serve them. And When I look in the book of Revelation,
3: I don't see anybody being served except the one on the throne.
4: the midst of horrible persecution Christians were being killed and Peter writes this he says as obedient children do not be conformed there it is again do not be conformed any longer to the evil desires that you had when you lived in ignorance in other words don't live don't be conformed to the ways you were before you knew Christ He says, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in what? All you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. God is calling his people to be transformed into a reflection of who he is. See, my fear is that some of you will think, I'll never reach a stage of being perfect. The only time we'll ever reach that is when we walk out of this life and stand before him with a glorified body. And until then, we all fall down. We all make mistakes. We all...
3: gracious enough to pick it up and dust us off and set us on the right path. I had an interesting
4: message that was sent to me this week by a former superintendent of our fellowship. And he said, I was just thinking this morning, Years ago, I used to do a lot of computer work for people. And um, it was how I supported myself and uh, trying to build a new church. And I had a computer that belonged to a, a fellow minister in our state. And as I was fixing his computer, I came across some things on the computer that should not have been there.
3: And the rules
4: for our or denomination at the time was that I should turn that man's name in to the higher ups and they would take his credentials away. They would discipline him for at least two years, blah, 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 blah. And I said, I won't do that because that will destroy this man. I said, I will extend mercy. So I confronted him and I told him what I found. struggled with it. I said, well, it's gone from your computer now. I said, I'm going to call you on a regular basis. I'm going to ask you, are you holding the line in that area? Are you staying straight? Are you staying right with that? Are you staying pure? I'm not here to cast a stone. I'm here to love you. I said, but I'm telling you, God says this is a warning call to you. about that individual today and I remember when you showed him mercy and how grateful he must have felt how is that individual doing today do you know I said that individual
3: back and he said, I'm so thankful that you showed mercy. And I said, see, that's what community does. We wouldn't think twice
4: of turning in a stranger. But when you know the person,
3: build something
4: reminded of the scripture in Jeremiah 29 11. this is the last verse this God says for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord plans to prosper you not to harm you plans to give you hope and a future I think that verse is often misquoted in that People in this day and age, especially the mindset of consumerism, when we see the word prosper, we instantly think of riches, money, property, wealth, whatever. Would you be surprised to learn that that word, to prosper you, is one word, and it means completeness, soundness,
3: safety. Hope plans to
4: give you a future. And God desires that for each and every one of us. And I guarantee you that that will look different in every single one of our lives. Because we're not the same. We are one, yes, but we are different. And we are the body together. And God is working his work together. Because God's desired outcome is for his kingdom purposes in Romans 8, 28. And we know, say that. We know. Look at your neighbor, go. That means I know. Tell him right now. We know that all things, oh, glory to God. My failures, my weaknesses, my my, my times of struggle my times of weariness my times of desperation my times of despair my times of frustration my t- all of those those times included all things god takes them and works them together and for those who are love him and are called according to his purpose but there has to be this transformation in our lives And we must allow God to do it. We must want and we must allow. See, there's one thing to say, I want it. But then when God goes to try and do it, we go, no, 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 no. That's off limits. The first place you say off limits, that's the first place he's going. (laughs) I'm just telling you, he knows. So you're better off just going. I surrender. God, I want everything that you have for me. I'm tired of living in a substandard life. I want to live the life that Jesus came to give me. For Jesus said, I've come that they might have life and life
3: more abundant. Right now, you must understand that that sitting in some corner reading your Bible. There has to be community. Two or three, 20, 30, doesn't matter. Has to be.
4: And you can't sit back and go, well, I'm just waiting for someone to call me. shadows. This is what I wrote down. It's time to come out of the shadows and engage with the work of the Holy Spirit in your lives. And that's what God wants to do today. I want you to bow your heads for a moment, please, or just close your eyes. You don't have to bow your heads. I don't know why we say that. saying it's time for you to step out of the shadows it's time for you to stop making the excuses it's time it's just time to let God have his way in your life now you may be sitting here today and You don't have a relationship with Jesus, well, it's time for that. The Bible says you must believe in your heart that He is the Son of God. He was born of a virgin, lived a life without sin, died on the cross, was in a tomb for three days, was raised again, and ascended into heaven, and He's coming back again soon. If you believe that in your heart and confess it with your mouth, the Bible says you shall be saved and that simply means you will be changed in an instant, in a moment you you will go from where the devil and darkness has filled your life to where Jesus Christ will transform you and make you right with a holy God and you simply have to believe that and confess it with your mouth and if you're here this morning and you need to surrender your life not being forced to God's not making you do it but you're you're ready to surrender your life to Jesus and you say Pastor trust those that are here that you're right with the Lord and of you that are here that you profess to be born again by the spirit of God how many of you will say pastor bob holy spirit has been speaking to me this morning in this message and there needs to be some changes i need to make some changes in my life that the holy spirit has been showing me. I'm ready to take that first step. Just lift your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All over this place. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hand back down. Then I want us to pray together as a body of believers together. You may not have raised your hand, and maybe you should have, but maybe you didn't because you're already at that place, and you're all right. But I guarantee you there's going to be something down the road the Holy Spirit's going to put his finger on it and you're going to think, oh, I thought I had it all together. And God goes, oh, oh, but there's this area right here. Well, you, now you know what to do. So let's just pray together right now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit that's come and lives within your people and, and resides in your church. He's the administrator of the things going on in the body of Christ. And We thank you for the word. Is a two edged sword and pierces to the very soul and marrow of our, our our spirit and soul and body, Lord God. And Father, we want to reflect Jesus. We want our lives and our words to, to align together. We want people to see Jesus in us. Father, forgive us for our foolishness and our pride for do it on our own. That's impossible. We need one another. We need one another. We need one another. I feel the Holy Spirit speaking this. I'm going to say it right now. Please don't take it wrong what I'm saying here. But there are many of you who have been raised in a dysfunctional home reason that it was dysfunctional in many cases is because there was an absent parent or an absent moral guide or person with moral guidance that could direct you in the right path. And when the body of Christ chooses to live a life that is selfish and filled with consumerist ideas, then the body of Christ becomes dysfunctional. And the church is not reaching its full potential to reach a lost and dying world. God says it's time for my church to come together, make every effort to maintain the spirit of unity, the bond of peace, among one another stop making excuses for our absenteeism and start saying God with your help by your spirit I will do all that I can do and more because of you who you are in me that the body that the church the local assembly strong and fully functional to meet the needs of a community that is so dysfunctional. why don't you stand together for a moment and I want us just to give thanks for the body for one another listen I can watch when people come in and there's just naturally people we gravitate to and I love seeing that but I also love like I watched this morning some people go to someone they didn't know right up before service to I love that even more. But When was the last time that you turned to someone and said, I am so appreciative for you? I met with another pastor of another denomination this week for lunch. I stopped right in the middle of my lunch. And I called him by name. And I said, I want to tell and walked by they would have thought (laughs) but he looked at me with tears in his eyes and he says I know you do and I love you too I said I just had to tell you that today we sat there for two more hours need to do that more in the body. Everybody likes to be appreciated. Everybody likes to be loved. And everybody likes to hear it from time to time. I heard one amen. Can I get more than one? Amen. Father, I speak your blessing upon these people. I pray that when significance of their lives. Give them favor with those they come in contact with that the name of Jesus would be glorified and I speak it in his holy name. Amen and amen. Now turn to two or three people and tell them, I love you, I appreciate you, whatever you have to say. If you need special prayer for anything, come, we'll pray for you.
1: The rising sun to the hopeful future, to the dreams to come.